When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's episode is sponsored by Book Riot Deals, our daily roundup of the best books on sale. Every morning, our editors scour the internet to find the very best books on sale from as many genres as possible. We find bestsellers and prize winners, great book club reads, and under-the-radar staff favorites that we would like more people to know about. There's YA, there's middle grade, there's adult fiction, there's nonfiction, and there's more. Go to bookriot.com deals to check out our finds of the day. And to sign up for our newsletter, we'll send the day's picks straight to your inbox. That's bookriot.com deals. Hello, and welcome back to When in Romance, where we get to talk about fun things about romance novels and things that have HEAs and the people that write them and love them. I am Jess. And I am Trisha. And we are recording on Thursday, April 1st, 2021, but do not worry about any pranks here. We are very sincere. (laughs) We are, and I don't think that I realized, this is, I'm sure, a conversation for another day, Jess, but I don't think I realized how much pranking even like in fiction settings makes you uncomfortable because it does me too (laughs) and i don't think i knew that we were i mean we have so much in common i don't think i realized that was one of the things yeah it's 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 a thing i don't know what it is Mm -hmm. it's just like it doesn't work for me the way that it does for some people and i'm glad that those of you who love it love it lots indeed but to each their own but you can keep it (laughs) exactly (laughs) you can keep it that is for sure true by the way, this is episode 80. I think I forgot that part. <laughs> oh, yeah. Episode 80. Hey, look at us. Look at We're us. cruising along. Yep. I like it. All right. We have many, many things to get to on this episode, but we are going to start with a few of those kind of housekeeping issues. As always, we appreciate folks who are rating and reviewing the podcast. We mentioned last time that we would talk a little bit about some of our recent reviews. We got one a few months ago that I don't think we mentioned um, on Apple Podcasts, uh, which was very delightful. And somebody said that we, listening to the podcast, I shouldn't say we are a great way to spend time, but listening to the podcast is a great way to spend time. I mean, to be fair, Jess and I are also a great way to spend time, but that's not what the Apple Podcast was asking about. So thank you for that. Um, we also got a recent review talking about, uh, it was somebody who talked about they appreciate the way that we talk about romance, sort of the good and bad of it. This person also mentioned that we ramble. And I will be honest with you, you are correct. Yes. That definitely happens. <laughs> and we have gotten that feedback before. And I at least definitely have. Jess actually maybe hasn't. But to be honest, I really appreciate it because I do process externally. And when that feedback comes through, it has made me think a little bit both about kind of the way I think about taking notes for these you know, conversations, but also some of the work conversations that I have at my day job and, and other ones. And so I, I appreciate that honesty. I will say in case it's interesting... I know some of you probably podcast or do sort of equivalent activities, but for those who don't, a little bit of a peek behind the curtain. There are podcasts on all kinds of outlets, including Book Riot, that are kind of on the more completely scripted side of the spectrum, right? Like Mm -hmm. word for word all the way down. 
And then there are others that are pretty scripted. And I think just that you and I fall on the more unscripted side of the spectrum. And I think that for us, that's a better fit. And it probably definitely means that we are going to ramble a little bit at times, but I think you're also going to get a more authentic reaction. Mm -hmm. And I think if we were more scripted, we'd be sanding the edges off of the podcast a little bit in a way that's less interesting, at least for us, given some of the topics that we talk about. And I don't want to speak for you, and I'll let you speak for yourself in a second. But I do want to say none of that is to say, please don't send the criticism. It's all been very constructive and thoughtful. And like I said, it impacts even kind of the way that I think about notes that I take for our freewheeling conversations, I will say. (laughs) That's just meant to be a little bit of insight on why the discussions that we have are the way they are. But just like I said, I don't want to speak for you. So I will let you speak for yourself. Absolutely. And uh, Trisha is saying all of the things that I am thinking. I process externally as well. And sometimes you might notice listening to me talk about a subject that I have reached a realization as I am talking to Trisha and to you all. We have both had that. Yeah. And sometimes we do share more notes with each other before we start talking. And I'll be honest, the last time we did that, I skipped all of them because we came upon a different concept or a different topic around the topic that we were talking about that was much more interesting to discuss. So <laughs> mm-hmm. I think I think you're right, Trisha. The unscriptedness, even though we do actually prepare notes and we don't just like come in and freewheel, <laughs> but we do a little less written back and forth between the two of us, unlike some other podcasts. And that sort of helps both of us come to new realizations and discoveries, but you're also sort of going on the journey with us. <laughs> yes. And some listeners, you know, they might not be as interested in that kind of journey, but we greatly appreciate all of you who enjoy the journey and come along and uh, give us feedback about whether that journey is a little too ambly down the path. Whether we went down some side roads. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And please do continue to rate and review. Like I said, we we honestly genuinely appreciate the feedback. We have not gotten anyone yet that I could find that has told us of a book that they found through the podcast. So if anyone has, feel free to let us know. It would be very validating. I'm just saying (laughs) that would be great. Uh, And Jess, you actually pointed out that we had gotten a question through social media that we didn't have a ton of answers for. Yes. So we were contacted by someone who was looking for, interestingly enough, because we've talked about it on the podcast and it came up in lots of discourse over the past week, someone who was looking for a romance that really enveloped that adventure feeling of the mummy or something else like that. And Trisha and I probably stared at each other across the country, like, had the same like doe-eyed look Mm -hmm. in the direction that we each live thinking what (laughs) Mm -hmm. like you're right that's amazing but also i don't know i don't know i don't know and uh, it came up in conversation on twitter because that's where i have most conversations now and uh, there were a few that maybe had an element but a lot of us were just talking about the fact that this is a space that could be filled to the brim, and we would enjoy it. Yeah, for sure. 
And so, yeah, we didn't have a ton. I think I mentioned Deal with the Devil by Kit Rosha, which is adventure but futuristic as opposed to historical. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned an older mystery series that has some elements of it, um, the Elizabeth Peters Amelia Peabody mysteries. But that series also has some of the less joyful elements of the mummy in xenophobia, racism, and a little bit of brown face. So So not ideal, necessarily. (laughs) Not ideal. Yeah, so it's, I I guess this is just sort of a call out. And so I think, was Romancing the Stone the other movie that got mentioned? I believe so. I believe so. I wasn't sure because honestly, I've never seen it. I'm the worst. I will tell you, watching it now is still fun, but it is very dated. So if you get the chance, it's definitely, it might be nostalgia, but I think it can still be watched. The sequel, on the other hand, maybe pretend that one doesn't exist. Right. Okay. Okay. So I guess this is, this is our request for help. So if you all have ideas, thoughts that you can send our way, please do send them uh, to whenandromance at bookriot.com and we will share them on the next episode. And if you are a writer, published, otherwise, we don't care. It doesn't matter. (laughs) And you want to write this book, do that too. Yeah. That sounds great. We'll take it. Yeah. All right. I think that is our housekeeping, Jess. Before we jump in to, spoiler alert, the next rendition of the When in Romance Book Club, would you like to do an ad spot? Yes. Let's go ahead and take care of that. So uh, this episode is sponsored by Book Riot Insiders, the digital hangout spot for the Book Riot community. Enrich your reading life with our Book Riot Insiders perks. We've got three levels to Insiders, short story, novel, and the epic level. And you can try any level out for free for two weeks. For podcast lovers, meaning you, Insiders at the novel and epic level get access to two exclusive shows, the Read Harder podcast, which gives recommendations for the Read Harder challenge task by task, and Book Riot Remixed, where we randomly pair up hosts from across our shows to talk about, well, whatever they want. Insiders also get exclusive access to bookish deals, behind-the-scenes newsletters, exclusive podcasts, our epic book club, and more. Sign up for your free trial at insiders.bookriot.com. All right, Jess, it's time. It's it's probably long overdue, but it is definitely time <laughs> for us to revive the When in Romance book club reading experience. Exactly. That is exactly the right reaction. I actually (laughs) want that to be my new ringtone. (laughs) My phone is always on silent. I don't know why I say that. But I'm very excited about this. You had a few suggestions. I had one. We're going to ask folks to vote and let us know which of the four they want to do. So we're going to spend the next few minutes just giving you a quick glimpse. Quick glimpse. Because I don't know that... I think we have not read these books. No. I have not. Yeah. So we're going to give folks a quick glimpse into what they all are. We're going to ask for your feedback. Uh, maybe we'll do some some voting on social media and you can let us know what you think. Uh, do you want to start, Jess? Sure. So your first option, our first option, is Sweet Disorder by Rose Lerner. It's the first book in the Lively St. Lemiston series, and it features a newspaper widow uh, and a man who doesn't particularly want to get involved in politics. And the two of them have some stuff to deal with in their town, which is Lively St. Limson. 
So as I mentioned, this is the first book in the series. It's got an amazing new cover if you um, want to go check that out. And Rose Lerner's always great at telling very full, rich stories. So I am looking forward to reading that anyway, but I would love to read it and discuss it with Trisha and the rest of you. Same, I'm on board. And also, another book I would love to read and discuss with you is Wrong Number, Right Woman by Jay. That's J-A-E. I have read a number of books by Jay and have talked about at least one or two of them on this podcast. But this one is about, this is like the most adorable, lovely romance concept. (laughs) So Eliza accidentally sends a text to the wrong number to a woman named Denny asking for dating advice. And that's basically all you need to know. Uh, (laughs) But there is more to it. Denny is sort of very shy. Flirting is not really her thing. She is kind of, you know, she's sort of in a routine and and isn't as adventurous as maybe some people are, which is generally okay. But when you get a text message from a stranger asking for dating advice, and then you meet them in person, and it goes really well, and there's like this connection, it's kind of adorable and charming. I think, too, there's Jay just does a lot of really interesting things with people's sexuality. You know, she has uh, main characters who are asexual. My understanding in this book is that Eliza has mostly dated men, but is actually very attracted to Denny and starting to try to figure out what that looks like. But I don't know a lot about it because I haven't read it yet. And I would love to read this one with all of you and with Jess as well. So that's Wrong Number, Right Woman by Jay. Let us know if you like that one. And another one that is by an author whose name you might have heard a few times on this podcast is Office Hours by Katrina Jackson. And this is interesting to me because it is about a professor who is dealing with all of her awful university work. Like, there's all kinds of bureaucracy with with dealing with being an educator at that level. Well, any level, but especially at, at the professorial level. And the only thing that brightens her day is when she's in faculty meetings and gets to stare at her longtime crush. And it might just so happen that her crush likes her back. So two professors may be falling in love while other stuff is getting in the way, including their own heads. What could happen? So if you're interested in reading Office Hours by Katrina Jackson, let us know. And lastly, an author who you also maybe have heard of on this (laughs) podcast before. Just kidding, we talk about her all the time. Uh, It's Vivid by Beverly Jenkins. It's the last book that we're considering. We know that Beverly Jenkins is not really like a Cinderella of the, you know, to use the March Madness comparison of the podcast book club situation. She's she's kind of a front runner, kind of a favorite. But (laughs) Vivid is one of her um, older and lesser known books. Um, It was published at least, uh, I think first... Oh, I'm looking at it now. First published in 1995, but it is uh, it was just re-released in this really beautiful hardcover. And I happened to be looking at it as we were talking about what we might want to read. And uh, I haven't read my beautiful hardcover that I bought myself for my birthday <laughs> a few months ago yet. So it's about Dr. Vivica Lancaster, who is a Black woman who is also a physician. It is 1876. There are not a lot of women at all, let alone women of color who are physicians in the 1870s. There's Dr. Quinn. She was white. That's not helpful. Anyway, Dr. Vivica Lancaster, 
she goes. She goes from California. She goes to Michigan to go and be a doctor. And the mayor did not know that she was going to be a woman. He wants to send her back. As you know, if you know ever, anything about a Beverly Jenkins heroine, she is not going to be sent back. She is <laughs> staying in Michigan. And that mayor is going to fall in love with her. And it's going to be great. So if you have read every other Beverly Jenkins book, except Vivid, if you have read zero Beverly Jenkins books and you are ready to read Vivid, if you are somewhere in between, it doesn't matter. If this is the book that we should be focused on for our book club, let us know. It is what we will do. <laughs> so I don't know, Jess, what do you think? How will we get these votes? So definitely send us an email if you have strong opinions. I will probably post a poll every week or so. <laughs> well, no, that's two mm -hmm. weeks. Um, I'll post a few polls on my Twitter. Um, so wander in if you want. And I will do the same on my Instagram stories. I'll aim to do the first probably the day after this podcast comes out. So like the Tuesday, April 6th, but I'll do a couple. So just keep your eye out. And between the, the social media options, we should have everybody covered. So that was exciting. We're going to get into a, a big, robust discussion, a big, robust romance discussion actually recommended to us or suggested to us by a reader. But before we do, we're going to do one more ad spot for you. This episode of When in Romance is brought to you by To Dream in Daylight by Shade Silk Press. To Dream in Daylight is a fate-driven romantic comedy in the same vein as Sleepless in Seattle or the movie Serendipity. Our characters, Simon and Adri, have been sharing dreams since they were children, neither knowing the other exists until an embarrassing video of Adri goes viral and clues Simon in that she is not a fantasy, but in fact, real. Simon's wild idea to search for her leads him across the country, all with the hope of finding his dream girl. It's fast-paced, it's witty, it's filled with hope. It is a perfect read for our time. The book will make you feel good and believe in soulmates. There's apparently a good visual feel of Chicago and Portland, two wonderful cities. And you get both main characters' perspectives, so you'll get to know a little bit more about the characters. And as if that is not enough, the audiobook feels like watching your favorite Hallmark movie. So that is To Dream in Daylight by Candace J. Thomas. Thank you to Shade Silk Press for sponsoring this episode. Yes, thanks. All right, Jess, what are we talking about today? Well, I mean, what, is for, what are we talking about for the rest of today? It's, it, I made that sound like as if we were just starting now. <laughs> as if 25 minutes in, it was like, all right, let's go. It's time. Let's, let's start talking. <laughs> it's time to take the wheels off the wagon. Really get this, uh, get this thing started. <laughs> so as, as Trisha mentioned, someone actually requested that we discuss this topic. Yeah, it was Dana sent us a note and yeah we missed it for a, a, at least an episode but yeah it was it was it's always nice to get a, a request from a from somebody who's listening yes so that is a great moment to say if you have any topics that you'd like to hear us discuss please feel free to send them our way and this one today is married couples in romance and that is an interesting concept that we think about in romance novels because there are some who have the idea that a romance novel is meet cute courtship fall in love happily ever after and that's that is what a romance novel has to be but we have noticed in slightly larger numbers recently but you know for a while 
that some authors have really decided to approach the idea of two people who are already together, who have some kind of conflict that is affecting their relationship and how they pull it back together to to get to that HEA again. Because, you know, things happen in marriages, as we see around us on a regular basis. You know, people might not quite fall out of love, because I don't know if you can recover from that in a romantic relationship, but their love changes, or there's some miscommunication that's just set them apart, or maybe they think that it's not working. Something is happening in their relationship that requires a revisit of their romantic relationship. And there are some authors who do that in really interesting ways. Yeah, I think one of the interesting things for me about this, Jess, is that it's almost like they've built, in many cases, they've built the relationship once Mm -hmm. and kind of have to rebuild it, right? Like a lot of times that seems, it's, it's second chance, but it's not just second chance like, oh, one time when we were 16, we made out by the pond or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. It seems like there's usually a pond and like maybe a cabin, whatever. So there was some kind of a connection and maybe they were in love, maybe they're in a relationship. But when you're coming at this and having to build a romantic relationship as a married couple, you've probably done it before. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not necessarily talking here about arranged marriages or marriages of convenience or forced marriage stories. At, you know, per the email that Dana sent, we're talking more about having to do this very unique kind of second chance romance story. Yeah. And, you know, some it's interesting to see how how authors have crafted it, because sometimes it's people who have been together for decades. And sometimes it's Mm -hmm. people who had like a whirlwind romance, and then they get into the actual marriage, and they have to sort of figure other things out about themselves and each other. And, you know, we're, we're talking about married couples, but there's definitely a space for people who have been in other kinds of long-term relationships that maybe we haven't talked about. But I, that's definitely something that we would probably find, especially in like queer romance. Yeah, I think the stakes are different too, right? In a marriage, in you're 100% right. It, it, that's not to diminish long-term partnerships where people have joint investment in a house or, you know, kind of any of those logistical things. Mm-hmm. But when you're married, there's there's paperwork. There's Sometimes paperwork. there's like names and whatnot. Like it's not just that you, you know, are rebuilding something. It's that it's a commitment you can't just wake up and walk away from. Mm-hmm. Like there are very real logistical implications of that in addition to just the mental and emotional implications of that, which which certainly makes it interesting. Yes. And I do think, you know, I think there is an interesting conversation to be had about some of those books, and maybe we can do this another time, but those conversations around the romances where a couple gets married very, very early on. Mm -hmm. Um, I mentioned to you earlier that, you know, His Convenient Husband by Robin Covington is one that I really like, where they have to be married and build the relationship, Mm -hmm. right? Like that's, there. it happens, I think, a lot in historical romance. I think partly because they want to give the characters an excuse to have sex early on, even though they're (laughs) in love. They're like, well, you're married, so it's fine. You can have sex. Oh, wait, what? 
it turned out to be great. You have this emotional, physical connection. Like, that's cool. What does it mean? You're not talking about the Duchess deal at all. (laughs) (laughs) I was actually thinking of a Scott ties the knot, although I do think that they wait for a while, the the Tessa Dare. (laughs) I think they get married pretty early in that one, too. Like, it's a, yeah, Mm -hmm. it's very much a, but the Duchess deal for, although the sex in that one does not go well. Again, conversation for another time. (laughs) The point is... That is kind of a different story. And I think that's not really what we're talking about here. But there is that timing piece, like that sort of, I guess, order of events kind of piece is really an interesting part of romance and of the discussion that we have around it. Yes, I think you're very right. Because the marriage of convenience or otherwise fast marriage, like in um, the second Worth book by Courtney Milan, where they basically get shotgun married. It's still all about learning who the other person is. It's not about fixing something that's already been created. So there is a real, there's a whole different kind of rapport at play there. Yeah, yeah. And I don't want to, you know, jump too quickly into some of the specific books that we were going to talk about, but I will, but I will anyway, and then <laughs> we can come back to the discussion. But this whole conversation that we're having reminds me of the Bromance Book Club, which is a book that came out a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is by Lissa K. Adams. And it's part of what drew me to this book originally was that it is about a married couple and not like a secret marriage and not like a arrangement. It's these are married people who have been mm. married for multiple years and met together for multiple years. And people really like this book. I'm one of them because it's kind of meta because uh, Gavin, who is one of the main characters, we'll come back to this in a second, but the marriage is in trouble. And he gets a little bit of, of help from from some friends who have a secret romance book club. It's all men. And they're trying to learn more about their relationships by reading romance. And I think if you are a romance reader, you can appreciate why that would work. And like I said, there is something very meta to it. The supporting characters are a lot of fun. There's a lot of that to it. There are a couple of things that made me raise my eyebrow a little bit at it because one of the the sort of straw that breaks the camel's back in this uh, relationship, it's not going great, but he finds out that, oh, I don't know how to say this on a podcast that we don't want to get an explicit reading. Uh, <laughs> Gavin finds out that his wife has not been fully satisfied. <laughs> yes, fully transparent about her level of satisfaction with some of the more physical elements of the relationship. <laughs> Boom. That's what it is. That's beautiful. Thank you. That th- and thank you for the assist. That was that was key. <laughs> and you know, there's a little bit of me raising my eyebrow that like he loses it because he finds he's bad at this thing, but I do think that there's an interesting dynamic. And I did, I liked this book a lot, The Bromance Book Club again, um, by Lissa K. Adams. It's interesting that the hill that Gavin has to climb here is almost higher because he's starting in a deficit. Mm. Because he, there is a history. And there's a history where honestly, he has messed up and he needs to figure that out. And I'm not saying that Thea, um, his wife, is perfect and, and has no flaws or shouldn't have been more honest about what she needed. But you also know what you have to lose at that point. Like they have children and they have this established relationship. And if you meet somebody and you hit it off and things are going great, and then you kind of hit a bumpy road and you both walk away from it, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. When you have an established life together and you are, it's almost like the, the stakes in both ways are higher. Mm-hmm. You are trying to rebuild this relationship, but also 
there's a history, right? There's a whole history of all of the many hurts that have established. There's a history of all of the many wonderful loving moments that is established and, and kind of rebuilding that relationship at that point in some ways, there's just more complexity to it than maybe starting from scratch. So again, that's Bromance Book Club by uh, Alyssa K. Adams. And you touch on one of those things that I really need to see, especially in this kind of romance, to feel like it's been successfully done. And that is clear communication, especially if the conflict is due to a lack of that. And, you know, we can say that that is, that's a big thing in all romance, because the capital BM big misunderstanding is such, such a common trope in romance novels in general. But when you see a married couple who maybe has spent years not talking directly to each other in certain issues, actually sit down and say, this is why this happened. That is absolutely huge. And I will use an example of one book that I read very recently. And that was Maybe Next Time by Christina C. Jones. It's a short book and has some things that are not for everyone. Um, Mostly the fact that the male protagonist at one point pulls out a gun and points it at someone who is not the female protagonist. But... (laughs) They're, they're on the verge of divorce. Like when we meet them, she has served him papers because they are both miserable in this relationship. And what it comes down to, and another thing that this particular romance has that is not for everyone is him taking her somewhere and not telling her where that place is until they get there, <laughs> is that they need to just say what they need to say. Like they have both been sort of taking cues off of actions that might not be what the actions are actually meant to convey and living in their own worlds in their marriage after the catalyst of another thing that is another content warning of miscarriage. (laughs) And (laughs) they just have to talk. And I know that just sit down and talk is a big thing in any kind of romance. But when there's a a married couple who needs to come to the realization that that's the only way that they will be married by the end of it. It's really powerful because it's just like all of these feelings that they have been building up internally and then sort of pushing out externally towards their partner is just is a thing that can happen in the relationships that we have in life. And that that was a really powerful moment for me when I read it. Um, so if you haven't read, maybe next time and are okay with the three content warnings that I threw out, I would recommend checking on other content warnings just in case. But it is also still just an amazing, an amazingly powerful reunion story. Yeah, just and I think the way that you talk about kind of the emotion in that book is, despite being unscripted, as we discussed before, uh, a really perfect transition into the next book that I was going to talk about, which is One Last Chance by Therese Bahari. I think I've talked about this one on the show before. So Zoe and Sawyer marry as best friends. I'm not going to tell you exactly why, because this book jumps back and forth in time. So in the present, it takes place over the course of one day at an event 
that someone who is close to them is arranging and they both come to be supportive. They haven't seen each other. They haven't had a conversation in years, but they are married. And in the past, you actually, like I said, it goes roughly like one chapter to one chapter. In in the present, it's one day. In the past, it takes place. You see the course of several years and you see what happened. You see why they got married. You see what their relationship was like. You see how close they were and how in love they were. But you know, because you know where they are in the present, that it's going to fall apart. Mm. And I think what you see is that there is a lot of grief in this relationship. And you get the sense that as much as they loved each other when they were young, they were quite young and they didn't necessarily have the maturity for the love to overcome what that emotion was, right? And what that grief did to them and to their relationship. And now they're a little older, they're meeting again, they maybe have learned some things about themselves. And, and I don't in any way mean to, you know, indicate that people who are young and deal with difficult emotional situations can't build healthy, successful relationships, but these two couldn't. So I think it's another lens in that it's, they were in love, and they were in love when they got married. And then circumstances kind of drove them apart and they almost have to rebuild their relationship as I don't want to say as adults because they were adults when they got married but they were young as adults in a different part of their life mm-hmm. and it's just a it's a really emotional really kind of intense ride but that's the nice thing about romance is that you know that it's going to work out in the end so yeah. <laughs> it's it's worth it and it really is just a a very moving exercise kind of in what a relationship between two people looks like when you are at one phase in your life and what it looks like when you are in a different phase. So that is One Last Chance by Therese Bahari. And you know what? I think it's just the fact that those authors who are the best at really like taking our souls and tearing them apart a little bit are the <laughs> ones who... That's the exact right language, by the way. Like that's <laughs> That's exactly how to talk about it. It's it's so true though. They're the same they're the ones who are really good at tearing us up over married couples. Because my first married couple actually and one of the ones that I always go back to is in Rend by Rowan Parrish. It's the second book in her Riven series and I just like I was reading my review of it because I read it a few years ago and <laughs> At one point I said, I didn't mind that I was crying for half of the book. <laughs> and, and it's just like, it's so true. I'm amazed that they haven't put that on the cover, frankly. <laughs> How do they not blurb that? Well, eventually. Next next printing, we'll send it to them. But this this is a slightly different. It's sort of somewhere in between those kinds of stories because we get an introduction to them when they meet. But then we're sort of dropped into their marriage. And we were introduced to them earlier in in Riven as an already married couple. So this is another one of those that kind of goes back and forth. And part of it is the fact that they spend a good portion of the book apart, um, because one of them is a touring musician. So there's an element of I'm in this new space as a married person. What do I do with it? Like, how has this changed me? What, like, who am I as this person? Have I changed? Do I need to change more? But, and then, how does my relationship work with the person that I am with, even when they're not here? And 
how do I deal with the fact that they're not going to be here all the time as we're trying to build this relationship that we kind of fell into and got married and decided we were going to do this forever? So that one was just like, there are so many emotions and feelings. And there's also sort of an element of grief in this book, though not quite the same as the Therese Bahari book. And it's there's the whole personal growth and relationship growth that seems to always be an element in in these married couple romances, because it's really sort of a thing where it's like, in order to make sure that my relationship is going to go the direction that I want it to continue, I need to fix something. And if it's broken, I need to figure out why it's broken and how we can make sure it doesn't break again. And that's that's really like, I don't know, I get lots of feelings with that. Probably because I am married, but that doesn't mean that I feel it any stronger or less strong than someone who isn't married, as Trisha has noted. So I don't know, there might be some things that hit a little close to home if you are married, um, yeah, even sure. if you are not in a place where your relationship might fall apart. But there's definitely something to be said for like being being in that moment and being like, that's a good point. Maybe I won't do that. Now I'm rambling, but... Uh-huh. It's okay. We explained why earlier on. So you're okay. <laughs> Rent makes me emotional, you guys. <laughs> I think it's okay. Again, that's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. I'm going to give you one more that I'm going to just do very quickly because it's a little bit of a cheat. <laughs> I'm going to mention A Bollywood Affair by Sonali Dev. And it's, again, it's a cheat for this discussion because although one of the main characters is married at the beginning of the book, she is not married to the other main character. Mm -hmm. And in fact, the other main character is the brother of uh, Mili's husband who is coming to get an annulment. Again, I'm not going to go too far into it because it's not exactly in line with this category that we're talking about. But Mili is a woman who's one of the main characters here and she and her technical husband were married as children in India. And for what it's worth, Sonali Dev was born in India. She, if I'm remembering a couple of the panels that I've seen her on, I I believe that if her marriage, I don't know that her marriage was arranged, but I do know that I'm pretty confident that she has talked about that she didn't really know her husband Mm -hmm. much, if at all, when they got married. So she is, she is coming to this with a perspective that is very real. And she knows what she's talking about. She's not just writing out of nowhere. The reason that I'm mentioning this, even though it doesn't quite fit here, is that I think the perspective on this marriage that the, again, one of the main characters, Millie has, is she has these opportunities to come and study in Michigan, come from India to study in Michigan because she is married. If, mm-hmm. As a single woman, she would not have been able to do it. She also is very loyal to her husband and keeps expecting that he is going to come and claim her. And so when she starts having feelings for someone else, she has a lot of conflict there. And I guess it's just a presentation of marriage that we don't always see in a lot of places or or particularly this kind of marriage that happens between young children, which is, again, I'm not going to comment on that. It is not for me. But mm-hmm. I do think the perspective on marriage and the way that this marriage has impacted this woman's life is really interesting, even though it's not, again, exactly what we're talking about here. So feel free to take a quick look at A Bollywood Affair by Sonali Dev, who is, as you know, if you listen to this regularly, someone that I 
ramble about my love for on a very regular basis. <laughs> so that's what I've got. And it's really interesting that you use that because while not similar in the whole child bride thing, which Sonali Dave has actually, I think, talked about or written about as far as the the um, practice as it currently stands, which I think is already not legal. But the idea of being married and then not seeing your mm-hmm. partner much. The last book that I wanted to talk about, which is actually a um, a winter holiday novella, but isn't really about Christmas, so you can read it whenever you want. You can read any book whenever you want is The Captain's Midwinter Bride by Liana De La Rosa. And this is just a delightful 120 pages or so of two people realizing something that they probably knew but didn't know. And in this is a historical romance, and we've talked about how the marriage of convenience is a a strong element that we see a lot in historical romance. And this marriage of convenience happened 25 years ago. And then the titular captain went back to sea. And he, um, he regularly comes home, they have two children, they have a friendly relationship can be sensual when they want it to be, but they don't really know each other. And now the captain has retired and is home. And they're planning their daughter's wedding. So that's that's where we are at the beginning of The Captain's Midwinter Bride. And Philip, who is the, the captain, and Annalise are living together permanently for the first time ever, even though they've been married for 25 years. And they sort of they know each other. They each have their own ideas of the other one and what their partner might need in in their relationship and they just sort of have to figure out at first they they're like well I guess we can be friends now but then it's like what's happening as they are around each other more so it's just it's a different kind of married couple because they're almost going through their courtship for the first time even though they've known each other for multiple decades so it's just a really interesting yeah. take on that married couple. And we, we've we seen like estranged couples in historical romance a lot where, the you know, she thinks he's dead and he shows up and then they have to get to know each other again. But this one felt significantly different because they never had that whirlwind romance at the beginning or any kind of romance at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot there. Packing a lot into 120 pages in that one, Jess. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I feel like we have had some good discussion and we probably need to wrap it up, if only because we've asked so much of our listeners today. Yes, we've asked a lot of things. We have said, please, well, first of all, start at the end, right? Send us your favorite married couple romances. We'll talk about those if we get some uh, recommendations and thoughts. We are also asking you to vote on our book club picks. Those titles will be in the show notes, uh, as will the email address. So feel free to let us know what you're thinking or keep an eye on social media and you can vote there. We need your adventure romances because apparently we don't have them and we should. (laughs) So send those our way too. And please also continue to send all kinds of reviews of the podcast. It really does help other people find it. And it is honestly, like I said, really helpful um, for us as well. So thank you to those who have done that and others, please feel free. We're actually, we're only like 
only a handful of reviews away from 100 on Apple Podcasts. Woo-hoo. So it'd be cool if we could get there. I'm, I'm just saying, whatever. People want to do that. Oh, what do you think, Jess? How are people going to send us all this feedback? Well, you can always find me on Twitter at Jess is reading, all one word, or on Instagram at Jess underscore is underscore reading. And I am more reliably on Instagram at Trisha Haley Brown, but you can reach us both at when in romance at bookriot.com. Huge thanks, as always, to our wonderful audio editor, Jen Zink. Woo-hoo. As much of a mess as it might sound like it is, it would be much worse without her. So <laughs> huge thanks to Jen, as always. And if you're reading, which I hope you have found some place to do that as we've progressed through 2021, happy reading. Happy reading, everybody. Mm-hmm.